This episode of The Blockchain Lawyer will be about the tokenization of assets and the potential implications for financial markets. Have fun. Welcome to The Blockchain Lawyer, a podcast on technology and law. Dennis Hilleman is an accomplished lawyer with over 13 years of experience and a passion for creating a better future through blockchain technology, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive innovations. All statements expressed in this podcast are the opinions of the host and his guests only and are in no way legal or financial advice. And now, here is your host, Dennis. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 27 of A Blockchain Lawyer. My name is Dennis Hilleman, and I'm glad you're here. It's Wednesday, the 22nd of January, and before we dive deep into the topic, I just want to give you some updates that are very important to me. First of all, um, if you haven't checked it out, I started a new little project. It is called Learn About Blockchain in 60 Seconds, just some small videos that will feature blockchain elements in just 60 seconds and like tutor people who are not so much into blockchain in a very small way. I post these videos on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and of course on YouTube. So if you have, are not following me on one of these platforms, then go ahead and do it if you are interested in that. That's the first thing. Second thing, if you missed out on it, you absolutely need to check out episode 26 when I talked with Michael Collane about the regulation of new technologies such as blockchain. That episode got like the most attention so far of any of my episodes, especially on LinkedIn. And I got a lot of people saying, hey, they were super cool. And now they want to come on my podcast. So probably in the next weeks, you will very rarely have episodes where you just have the pleasure of listening to me. But instead, we will have a lot of guests in the upcoming weeks. For our German speakers, uh, or German listeners, uh, to say rather, um, you might want to check out my German podcast, Recht im Ohr, um, because Michael Collane spoke on that in episode 9 on the regulation of artificial intelligence. It was a great episode as well. And in episode 10, Olga Stepanova from Winheller uh, Attorneys talked about um, blockchain in the civil procedures and in litigations also a very cool episode so you might want to go check it out and if you want to meet me in person i'll be in berlin next week attending the Netherlands, uh, the dutch and uh, german blockchain collaboration events um you might have uh, seen that uh, Sylvan Hungarius and Birchen have organized a great event and I'll be there at the factory in Berlin in the afternoon and also in the evening at the Dutch embassy and the next day you can also meet me at the blockchain roundtable of the federal government so that's that and now I want to deep dive into the topics of today I've picked two topics the first one is one that is actually running wild pretty much pretty, pretty wild actually on LinkedIn and Twitter today, and that's that central banks want to collaborate and on the working on central bank digital currencies. You know, the old stablecoin subject that I already talked about in this podcast as well is up again, and there are some news. The Bank of Canada, the Bank of England, the Bank of Japan, the European Central Bank, and the 
oh my god, hopefully I pronounce that right, very rich risks bank from Sweden and the Swiss, Swiss National Bank, they want to work together with the Bank for International Settlements, the BIS, and they want they created a group to share experiences as they assess the potential cases for central bank digital currencies in their home jurisdictions. So that group will be working on like a common position, on a mutual position for that. And of course, it shows the big development that we are facing when it comes to central bank digital currencies with CBDCs. Because as I talked about in this podcast already, France is into looking into that. But moreover, China will come up with one. So now the social media is talking about the race for the CBDC, who will be the first to issue one. And probably that's even quite true, because if you look at what's going on in the world uh, with blockchain, we see that quite a few governments come up with the idea that the token economy will play a great role in the future. I already talked about this on this podcast as well, on the German strategy paper on blockchain. It was episode four that there will be a token economy, that they see a huge potential in the token economy. And if we really tokenize all values that are out there, or at least very important values to make new business models possible, then I'm very much sure that we need a central bank digital currency because you want to measure these tokens against something and Of course, you can still measure them against fiat currency. But if you want to go into a fully tokenized economy, if you want to fully embrace the possibilities of a digitalized economy with blockchain, then you absolutely need, from my point of view, also a central bank digital currency. And I think that's what's happening. And I think there's pressure on the central banks to look into the central bank's digital currencies. And that's why they want to work together so that they are not working against each other with the currencies, but that they create a mutual position to work probably on G7 or G20 level together and then create solutions probably that will work with a tokenized economy. I'm very optimistic on that still. And of course, I'm very, very excited what's going to happen in 2020. And of course, I'll keep you updated on this as well. But today I want to focus on a paper issued by the OECD. The OECD is the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, and its main seat is in Paris. I already talked at the OECD last September at the OECD Global Blockchain Policy Forum. And it's great that the OECD is really looking deep into the possibilities of blockchains. And at the beginning of 2020, they released a paper that is called The Tokenizations of Assets and Potential Implications for Financial Markets. Uh, you can find the link to this paper um, in the description of this podcast episode. And I really like this paper. And I want to give you an executive summary on it if you don't have a chance to read it yourself. It's possibly a good idea to read it yourself because what the OECD lays down in that can pretty could pretty much be what we will all discuss in the future when it comes to a tokenized economy. The report was 
created under the supervision of the OECD Directorate for Financial and Enterprise Affairs, and it's a contribution to the work of the OECD Blockchain Policy Center. And in it, the report states quite at the beginning, cross-border transactions require international cooperation to limit regulatory arbitrage and to faster, sorry, foster the safe development of tokenized markets. The OECD will continue to pursue through its financial policy communities and its wider work supporting an international policy environment to provide good governance for decentralized technologies and their markets. So the OECD pretty much states that they want to really support blockchain, support the decentralized technologies and the economic possibilities that arise from them. So I think that's a great sign and something that every blockchain enthusiast like myself should be happy about. To sum it up, the OECD sees a huge potential to transform financial markets with a token economy. But it also underlines the need to study risk by large-scale adoption of asset tokenization. For example, the risk that the network is not stable, the risk of cyber attacks, that of course is a big deal, and of course the risk of money laundering. So that is something that the OECD is looking into this paper. One thing that of course comes up and that the OECD highlights is also the question, do we still need central authorities in a decentralized world? And the OECD pretty much tackles this subject also in its report. And it asks if we need trusted and credible control authorities, such as a custodian, in terms of tokenization of physical assets. Is, and is that compatible with the nature of blockchain? And the OECD writes, the possible need for a trusted central authority and tokenized securities platform showcases that the application of decentralized um, ledger technologies in financial markets does not eliminate the need for central third parties and that a complete decentralization is not a realistic or a desirable prospect for tokenized securities marketplaces. So the OECD doesn't think that we will have a fully decentralized economy. And I just want to go in on this for a moment, because on Monday at the Hanseatic Blockchain Institute that I was a member of, we had a deep, deep conversation on that. And some of the attendees were really optimistic that in 30 years, 50 years or 100 years, we don't have governments like we used to today. We don't have central authorities like banks anymore, but we really have decentralized democracy and decentralized financial uh, players, decentralized, decentralized financial economy. And of course, nobody of us knows what will be in 50 or 100 years. Um, and it would be very, very weird to say that some of us now it's just my personal opinion i doubt that um we created central authorities to create authorities that we can trust and that will provide trust to us and of course um the blockchain technologies 
um, main aspect is that it can create this trust through technology. Every blockchain fan of us knows that, that that is one of the key elements of blockchain. Because it's immutable, because it is decentralized, it will create a lot of trust among the participants of the network. And no transactions can actually be altered in the past. So we don't need the central authorities anymore for trust. What I think at some times is that, especially the huge blockchain evangelists who believe that blockchain is everything, really underestimate the human nature. If you look at the human nature, we must consider the emotional aspect. If I don't know if somebody has read the great books by the two great books by Mark Manson. The first book is uh, called "The Art: The Subtle Art of Not Giving a, a F a Star uh, C K." I bet you get it. And the second book is called. Everything is F star C K E D. And while the titles sound a little weird, the books are just really brilliant. It's something I would absolutely recommend to any of my listeners. And in his books, Mark lays down very well that the human nature is very much driven by emotions. And you can argue that we we are emotional people. So Our central authorities also have a trust by us because of emotions, because we trust in them in an emotional way. And blockchain is something you can't see as such. And you must understand that for many people, even today, even in the younger ones, blockchain is a very abstract concept and it's hard to grasp. Uh, we are all aware that The complexity of blockchain makes it pretty hard to teach it to a broader crowd of people on a daily basis. But that's why I think that people will still need central authorities to trust on an emotional level. And that is why I don't think we will have a fully decentralized economy, not even to speak of a fully decentralized democratic system. We will still need central players. But the number and the power of such central players, they will go down. I can very much agree on that. With people learning about blockchain and trusting in the technology, central authorities will lose a bit of power and the number, the sheer number of them will go down, especially in the financial sector. But I agree with the OECD here that in the upcoming future, and I'm speaking about the next 10 years, we will still absolutely need these central authorities. And from my point of view, because of human nature, we will still need them also in 50 years from now. Because, but of course, nobody of us does know what will happen in 50 years from now. So that's just my 50 cent on this point of the OECD. I think that's a very right approach. When it comes to de decentralization and the tokenization of values, the OECD underlines that We absolutely are still at the early stage of the development of the connection mechanisms between the off-chain world and the blockchain world. 
just one second for everyone who doesn't know actually what tokenization means. You should probably go out and check out my first episode of this podcast uh, or the fourth episode of this podcast. It just basically means that any value that you have, for example, anything you own or anything that you have a claim on that can be tokenized on the blockchain. Uh, a digital token can be created of that and then you can transfer it to anybody. You don't have to transfer the physical body of the thing you own or you don't have to actually write contracts all the time. You can just transfer them on the blockchain and that will create a huge new business models if we just can like share our properties, share our values so easily on the blockchain. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a topic in itself. So just, just saying that for everyone who doesn't know what tokenization means. And of course, if we want to create tokens of these values, we, we need a good connection between the off-chain world and the on-chain world. And that's what the OECD underlines in this paper as well. And what the OECD calls for is the need to preparation of a full standardized framework for the tokenized world. And of course, that means a solid business approach, a technical feasibility assessment, and of course, a very well thought through economic approach that all pours into a good framework worldwide for the tokenized economy. And the OECD then looks into the question of frameworks and it very much analyzed that of course we have a big problem because we don't have a global common framework for the tokenized economy. And because of that, the market is defining tokenization in very different and sometimes even conflicting ways. And I just want to give you two definitions that the OECD highlights in this paper. And the first one is, tokenization is a process of digitally representing an existing real asset on a distributed ledger. That's the first definition. Sounds very good to me. Second definition, tokenization is a representation of traditional assets, for example, financial instruments, a basket of collateral or real assets on distributed ledger technologies. Also sounds pretty well. And the last definitions comes from the Financial Stability Board, and it was written in 2019. So you see, there are many different definitions out there. I already talked in one of the last episodes about the German definition of crypto value. So... If we think that tokens on the blockchains are really traded borderless worldwide within minutes, then it makes very much sense that the OECD underlines that we absolutely need a framework for the future that creates a common understanding of what tokenization means and what tokens are. So that's something to work on probably on G7, G20 level. The OECD in its paper then underlines that actually there's a possibility of tokenization for nearly any asset. Of course, there's a possibility um, of tokenization on-chain. 
of on-chain assets that are native to the blockchain and that that of course means also the cryptocurrencies that exist only on the blockchain. The OECD names the ICOs, the initial coin offerings that were pretty big in 2015 and 16. It also underlines that there's a possibility of a tokenization of off-chain assets, for example, of shares. And it underlines the possibility that there's the securization through a pre-existing real asset for the on for the assets when that are digitized in tokens. The OECD in the paper especially looks into the tokenization of financial assets, especially the developments of STOs, the security token offerings, which are, um, to say it in a very simple way, the more regulatory compliant successors of the initial coin offerings. And the OECD very much hopes for the development of standardization of token protocols and names especially the ERC-1400 protocol and CMTA. What are the benefits of tokenization that the OECD names? Of course, the first benefit is the high efficiency of value transfer without intermediaries. That's, of course, something that is very native to the blockchain, something I talked about on this podcast as well. And, of course, that is the big, big plus when it comes to the token economy. You can transfer your values from anywhere in the world to anywhere in the world on the blockchain, and you don't need a bank in between. If you look today at cash transfer or even transfer of values in written form like shares, you always have intermediaries in between. And we people that are not in the financial world, we are, we can already see it. When I buy and sell shares, I don't own many, but a few, then of course I pay for that. And But if, it's, if you look at the larger players, who are moving global assets, who are moving money worldwide, they have to pay a lot to banks. And of course, that this whole thing, the whole cost for these transactions is the one thing that can be dram could be dramatically reduced by blockchain. But of course, blockchain only makes the transfer of some values possible for example if you if you want to transfer for today the ownership of real estate and that's very complicated and you need to put it in a public ledger system and how how about you want to just put uh, transfer one percent of the property then you can transfer it on the blockchain if you tokenize it very simple so that's of course a big plus the OECD also underlines the cost savings using smart contracts and the increase of execution speed. That's, of course, something that is also very important in the global economy. If, for example, you want to move money from Germany to Japan today, it only doesn't cost you quite a thing. It also takes a bit of time. It's not there the other minute. With blockchain, it can reach the end of the world 
within a few seconds. So that's the thing that blockchain also allows not only to reduce costs, but to dramatically increase the speed of transactions. Then, of course, the OECD highlights that blockchain allows trust and transparency, especially for the verification of any small and medium-sized ownership by complex trading and a huge amount of transactions in real time. For example, like I said, the 1% ownership of a, of a real estate um, of, of a building, you can just transfer it within seconds and the, the receiver of a transaction can, can then transfer it to somebody else within seconds. That's a, that's a huge advantage for moving money and values really fast on the blockchain. The direct access of investors to primary and secondary markets is highlighted by the OECD. You still need to understand that 99% of all companies in the EU are small and medium-sized companies who, for example, can't get money from the stock market. And it's complicated for them to find investors on large scale because they are excluded from the stock market. But with tokenization, if they tokenize their shares, if they tokenized, for example, the possibility to participate in their earnings in the future, then they can get investors, small investors even, in a huge number and very fast. Of course, that is something that the token economy will allow for. It will allow for medium and small-sized companies to get money to get investors on a very, very different level. And the OECD sees that as well as a huge advantage. However, the OECD is not blind. But of course, we've got challenges and risk to overcome if we want to tokenize the economy on big scale. There are, of course, technological challenges. For example, can we really scale the economy in that way? How can we reduce the risk of hacking. You know the theory of the 51% attack that will break the consensus algorithm and then change the blockchain. But also something that the OECD highlights, and I, and I as a lawyer like that, that is that sometimes we have the absence of a single accountable point in the transactions. Um, you know, lawyers always think in the way that somebody is liable, that somebody is accountable for something. And if we have illegal transaction and these illegal transactions are provided by a bank, we might not get hold of a receiver and the sender, but at least we get hold of a bank in a way and make sure that they work well with anti-money laundering and they will not allow terrorists to move money all over the world. But with blockchain, that changes. If we have a permissionless, decentralized, and public network, then actually there is no accountable person in that sense. And in this way, that could also be at risk. We must be aware of that. Of course, many people say that criminals will come anyhow and terrorists will come anyhow and use any advantage they have. It's the same with banks or with blockchain. But still, without a single accountable point in, in some blockchain scenarios, that is a risk we must be all aware of. And we must decide as a society if we really want that 
or if we want to change that, which of course is, is a horror scenario for blockchain enthusiasts. But in this case, and this is where I want to refer to the beginning, makes sen it makes sense that there are still central authorities in some way involved even in the token economy. And then, of course, the OECD underlines that we still have a lot of uncertainty about the legal status of crypto assets. It writes, the tokenized markets should comply with regulatory requirements that promote financial customer investor protection, market integrity and competition, and seek to guard against the build-up system of systematic risk. And I can only underline that. We need good legislation. We need good frameworks. But you all know that's what this podcast and that's what my messages are about. Bring the entrepreneurs, bring the technicians, and bring the lawyers together to make a really good framework. And the OECD also highlights that. And that's what I really like. And then, of course, one of my favorite subjects, also the OECD underlines that data protection and privacy are a huge matter, especially when it comes to data protection regu uh, regimes under EU GDPR. But we will still talk about this, this on this podcast, perhaps with Olga Stepanova in the very near future. Another thing that I find interesting is that the OECD also underlines that there could be a risk of very unrealistic expectations on the part of the blockchain industry when it comes to the tokenizations. Because while they fully understand it, of course, it's very hard for the basic customer to fully grasp what's going on. And I think that will quite take some time. So that point of the OECD is also very true, and I can just underline it. When the OECD looks a little into already existing use cases, practical examples, so to speak, and it looks into the World Bank's global blockchain bond, and it writes, cash settlement performed off of chain led to a transfer of a legal title in the registry of the register. Some contracts allowed for the automation of payments, for example, coupons, based on the predefined rules by the World Bank Treasury in 2018. When it puts up as an example the tokenizing of real estate in the US, Propeller and Fluidity launched the tokenization of a USD 30 million Manhattan property in October 2018. And it comes that comes from Forbes in 2018. And then there is the Société Générale's tokenizing covered, bond, covered bonds. The token was issued and it contains the full legal rights attached to the bond. This point was cleared by Société Générale's legal advisor in coordination with a French regulator. Both internal and external auditors had audited the smart contracts code. So what the OECD here shows is that there are already existing use cases and practical examples for tokenization. And that, of course, puts hope in all of us. There will be many, many more broadly accepted use cases in the future. So what's the summary of all that? The OECD pretty much sees that there's a huge potential for the tokenized economy. It calls for the actors for the need to prepare the full standardized framework for tokenization. It asks for a development of connection mechanisms between the off-chain world and the blockchain world but it sees the possibility of tokenization for any asset 
And of course, it sees the extreme possibility that there is a direct access of investors to primary and secondary market. And the tokenized economy could become true because it has been successfully tested already in different sectors. So basically, the OECD is very optimistic that we will get the tokenized economy. We just need good framework. And that's what we're all here for. We want to help create this good framework. So this was this podcast on this paper, which is a really good paper, and it shows that the global institutions are very keen on pushing blockchain and the tokenized economy. And I hope you enjoyed it and you can take some key points away from, from it for your future work. If you ever want to be a guest on this podcast, don't hesitate to contact me on either LinkedIn or Twitter. Get in touch. We can have a chat. Let me know what you want to speak about. I want to, this is my call out for any entrepreneur, for any technician, and of course, for any lawyer that is working in the blockchain field to come on this podcast and talk to me. Have fun and see you and uh, see you on LinkedIn or Twitter and at the next events or hopefully have you back here as a listener on my podcast. If you want to learn more about Dennis, please visit his website, theblockchain.lawyer, or connect with him on LinkedIn or Twitter. Until next time, everyone. 